0: Hey there podcast listeners, this is Art Wright. I'm the pastor at Williamsburg Baptist Church here in historic Williamsburg, Virginia. It's such a lovely season in the life of this church, especially as we're moving through spring and towards summer together. And it's so delightful to be in historic Williamsburg because this is such a wonderful time of the year. We are almost through this cycle of the narrative lectionary. This is um, the sixth week of the Easter season. And we have uh, next week, and then the week after that is Pentecost, and then uh, the narrative lectionary turns us loose for the summer. And so we have almost covered the entire Bible, at least from the narrative lectionary point of view. And we're so grateful that you're on this journey. We uh, each year the narrative lectionary will pick one of Paul's letters, and this year uh, Romans is the one. And so we spend a handful of weeks in the book of Romans, uh, Paul's letter to the Romans. This Sermon is based on Romans chapter one verses one through seventeen, and the sermon is entitled "Mother's," sorry, Mother Church. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully appropriately for Mother's Day. Um, You should know we, um, if you haven't heard, we had a hard situation in the life of the church in the last week and a half. Um, We we received a bomb threat, um, and the caller. spewed um, heavy anti-gay rhetoric, uh, we're told, according to the police officers that we met with. And so um, we have taken a number of steps uh, with local and state law enforcement, and also we're working on some of our own uh, security measures internally. Um, but that does have a bearing on this, this sermon, and you'll see it reflected in um, uh just the number of people who reached out to offer words of support and encouragement to us as a congregation and to me as pastor were tremendous. And so um, we are really grateful to um, have been able to meet safely yesterday. It felt good to be in worship. We had a great crowd, and it just felt good to be back and to be together Um after a hard week and a half. And so I'm um, con- continue to be grateful for your prayers and words of support as we move through this season. But I do hope that this sermon, um, delivered on Mother's Day, May 14th, will be meaningful to you and your spiritual journey. And we're so grateful that you're uh, listening in and are part of our community, even if it's only digitally or virtually. Anyway, don't hesitate to reach out to me if you have any questions or comments. Pastor at WilliamsburgBaptist.com. You can also find our website at WilliamsburgBaptist.com. God bless. Thanks for listening. Some of you know I took a trip to Ghana, West Africa, when I was in seminary. It was a three week trip as part of a class, and it was strictly educational, uh, not a mission trip like many people assume when I say I went to Ghana. And I'll be honest, from the front end, I didn't have any clue how life changing this trip was going to be. My recollection is simply that I heard free international trip and I signed up. I didn't care where I was going. (laughs) And so I didn't necessarily arrive with a heart and a mind fully open to learn. But lo and behold, we sat in classes offered by the faculty at Trinity Theological Seminary in Accra, the capital of Ghana. We visited churches and pastors throughout the country and worshiped with them and ate meals in their homes and learned about what God and the Spirit was up to in Ghana. I did have a significant Lingering anxiety, though, throughout the trip. Before we went, our leader said, just so you know, you need to be prepared to speak or preach in front of churches that you visit at any moment. They know you're seminary students and know that you're studying the Bible, and one of the ways that they'll show you hospitality is by inviting you to give a sermon right on the spot. And I was like, whoa, wait wait a minute. (laughs) I'm not into spontaneous speaking or unprepared sermons. Uh, I know some people are, but that's not me. I need to have a plan. I have a plan, right? Um, And so everywhere we went, I was constantly on edge. Is this the moment? We'd be sitting in worship, listening to the sermon, and I would be thinking, is the pastor going to turn around and say, and now our esteemed guest from the United States will deliver the gospel message to you? And I had no idea what I was going to say. We were staying with one family in the small town of Kapetuwe one weekend, and it turned out that this family hosted a Bible study in their house every morning at something like 5 a.m. And so we woke up, crawled out of bed at 4 or 4.30, brushed our teeth, and gathered in the family room. And as we walked in, we noticed there were something like 20 chairs uh, arranged in rows facing the front, where there was a table with two chairs uh, facing the the congregation. And I thought, oh, this is obviously where the Bible study leaders sit. And of course, our host said, please sit here in the place of honor. And my friend and I looked at each other thinking, we're not awake, much less prepared to lead this Bible study in front of 20 people. I'm going to need some coffee first. And mercifully, it just turned out that they really did want us to have the best seats. And the hospitality we encountered throughout Ghana far surpassed any that I'd come to expect in the United States, especially since we were very clearly outsiders, and in every way they made us feel welcomed and included. And it turns out somehow, by the grace of God, I was the only person on our trip who did not have to deliver an impromptu sermon God really does answer prayers, <laughs> at least mine. <laughs> that being said, just about everywhere we went, we did say something. Whenever we'd be in worship or Bible study, they'd inevitably ask us just to introduce ourselves and bring greetings from our homes. And invariably, we'd say something like this. Grace and peace to you from churches in the United States. My name is Art Wright, and we give thanks for this opportunity to be with you today. We'd say something like, I bring you greetings from your siblings in faith across the ocean and offer our prayers and encouragement for the good work that you're doing here in the name of God. It was a word of encouragement from one group of churches to another, a half a world away, with a deep awareness that we are not alone. We are in this together. There are beloved siblings in faith all over the world whom we have never met who are praying for us and supporting us and are beyond grateful for the work we are doing. And it just so happens this is almost exactly what Paul is doing at the beginning of Romans as he writes them a letter to introduce himself to the church at Rome. When the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to Christians living in Rome, the heart of the Roman Empire, he had never been there, never met most of them. So he writes this letter to introduce himself and to share his understanding of the faith, hoping that he will get to visit one day. And the letter to the Romans is sort of Paul's magnum opus. It's one of the most significant documents in all of Christian history. But at its heart, it's also a profound word of encouragement and pastoral care to this one community that is very much struggling. There were something like a million people living in Rome at the time, and so the church at Rome is a small minority group of people who have decided to follow Christ in the city, and they stick out like a sore thumb in their broader context. Now, you may remember that at that point in the time, the church was becoming more and, more and more diverse by the day. Whereas Christianity started out as a movement within Judaism, it was attracting more and more Gentile believers. Short history lesson Emperor Claudius expelled all Jewish persons from Rome in the year 49, including Jewish Christians. And so for years, the church at Rome was exclusively Gentile in makeup. But Emperor Nero reversed that executive order and allowed Jewish Christians to return. And so you can imagine all of a sudden the Jewish Christians walk back in the door and all the Gentile Christians have rearranged all the furniture, right? There's some tension in this church. They don't all think the same way or believe the same things. They don't all look the same. And these Gentile Christians who have enjoyed place of privilege and all the seats on the leadership council for the last few decades, all of a sudden it's a shock to the system to have the sudden influx of returners. And so the question becomes, what does it look like to be a community of faith together when we don't all agree on the same things or even look the same? What does it look like for us to live at our faith each day when we find ourselves as a small group of people in the midst of a much larger and at times hostile empire? And so here's what Paul offers by word of response in this first chapter. The first word is a word of gratitude. Verse 8, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. This little beleaguered community of faith in Rome is very much living into who God is calling them to be in the world. Paul says word of their faithfulness is spreading. Really, a better translation might be loyalty. Word of their loyalty and faithfulness to God's dream for the world is spreading by letter and word of mouth and social media to every corner of the earth. Word is getting out that this tiny church is a light and a shining beacon of God's love in the world. Paul acknowledges their trust and commitment to living into God's vision, not by insisting on rigid theological purity, but by staying true to their sense of calling. God is calling this particular church to show up in specific ways in the world. And they see clearly how God is leading them forward, And Paul acknowledges that they are doing an amazing job. The second word is a word of mutuality and encouragement. Verse 11, for I am longing to see you so that I might share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, or rather so that we might be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. If John Donne was right that no man is an island, it's also true that no church is an island. This small church in Rome will one one day grow into the mother church and will have a profound and lasting impact on the world, but there's no way they can see that future. And so for now, they desperately need to hear words of comfort and reassurance from like-minded people who are confident that they are making an impact. You have a significant role to play in God's plans. I, Paul, have a part to play, but I can't do it all myself. But the good news is that we are in this thing together. And so let's keep encouraging one another in our mutual work for the gospel. I can't help but think that it reminds me an awful lot of what happened when I was in Ghana. And it reminds me an awful lot of what we've experienced as a community of faith this past week and a half. I got some letters. To our friends at Williamsburg Baptist Church, on behalf of Ginter Park Baptist Church, I want to say how honored we are to consider you all at Williamsburg Baptist, our siblings in Christ, as we both seek to welcome all to the table of Christ. It isn't easy, but the work you do in Jesus' name is life-giving, and I dare say life-saving for so many. Keep getting into good trouble, friends. You have our support and prayers always. With love from Reverend Anita LaFoon and Kinter Park Baptist Church in Richmond. Dear Art, know that our congregation and the entire Association of Welcoming and Affirming Baptists stands with you in this time. Please let the congregation of Williamsburg Baptists know that their reputation is known beyond the walls of its facility. Your commitment to being a welcoming and affirming community for all God's children has been an inspiration to more people than you know. Personally, I have shared the story of your rainbow sanctuary display. Do you remember in the fall, for those of you who are here? He says, that story has brought comfort and encouragement to others who, like you, have stood in that place of wondering, how much do we let our broader community know who and how we really are? For now, may you find comfort in the midst of the storm. May you remain true to the ministry to what you have been called. Sincerely, Reverend Dr. Brian Henderson, Pastor, First Baptist Church of Den- Denver, Colorado. Dear Williamsburg Baptist Congregation, I wish I could read this in an Alabama accent. I'm not even going to try. Y'all's faith, he does say y'all. Y'all's, you can probably guess who it is if you know Max Blaylock. <laughs> Y'all's faithfulness and welcome continue to be an inspiration and a beacon of hope to so many people here in Williamsburg and beyond. I am forever thankful for you and your witness. I look forward to all that God has in store for you and all of us together as we continue following Jesus and working for a more just, equitable, and compassionate community. God loves Williamsburg Baptist, and so do I. Peace, Reverend Max Blaylock, Wesley Campus Ministry, right across the street. Dear Williamsburg Baptist Church, as a pastor who is in a same-gender marriage, even though I am in a denomination that has been ordaining LGBTQ folks in same-gender marriages for well over a decade, the welcome still isn't always there, nor is it always consistent. As I preached in a sermon on Maundy Thursday, I still talk around my recent marriage, calling my wife my spouse, because I'm expecting the gut punch that comes from being in a same-gender marriage and meeting Christians. She writes, while theologically I'm far from Baptist over here in my Lutheran circle, I cannot tell you how much joy and hope it gives me to follow you all and to see your words of welcome. Welcome but not only your words, your actions. You live out that welcome that you proclaim, and for that, I am eternally grateful. You make this world and this community safer for people like me and my wife, even knowing that in today's world, it comes with risk. You show a different way of following Jesus and being Christ to one another. You are in my prayers. Trust that you are doing God's work. And it is an honor to do that work with you. Pastor Alex Shepherd witt our Savior's Lutheran Church in Norwich. And from our dear friend Mark Snipes at CBF, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of Virginia. He's, he writes to the faithful congregation at Williamsburg Baptist. I am so grateful for your church family and the special place you hold in your community and in the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. Your presence in Williamsburg is vital to God's work in that city, and the way you engage your community is unique and life-giving. You provide a space that is that, that does not exist in other spaces. You all are doing sacred work. Even though you may not know it, the news of your faithfulness is being spread through the whole world. And then he writes in parentheses, Art, have you told them the story about the person who reached out to you from the island of Cyprus in the Mediterranean? I get emails about once a month from people that have found us on the internet from literally all over the world. Y'all, those five letters are just a fraction of the words folks wrote in this past week and a half. We are bound to one another, we are not alone. And your light, our light, it is shining brightly in this world. Friends, we acknowledge with the news about a week and a half ago that following the way of Jesus is not easy. And it inevitably leads us into some challenging and uncomfortable and vulnerable spaces. But I believe with all my heart that that's exactly where Jesus is calling us to be, when he said, take up your cross and follow me. So to the church at Williamsburg, receive these words of gratitude and encouragement. Y'all are doing an amazing job. I know I'm very biased. But you all, we are finding ways to live into who God is calling us to be in this world. It's never been clearer. And church, in the process, we are changing the world. So keep up the good work. Amen. Amen.